0: Welcome to the Physician's Financial Checkup podcast. Today's episode is a game changer. We are gonna dive into the keys to successful family generational wealth transfer. Ever wondered how the Rockefellers do it? Stick around for some practical tips and real life examples and the tools you need to secure your family's financial future. Trust me, this one's not to be missed. Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Physician's Financial Checkup podcast where we discuss the financial challenges and opportunities facing medical professionals. In this podcast, we'll discuss a variety of financial topics that are important to physicians, such as retirement planning, investing, and estate planning. We'll also interview experts in the financial services industry to get their insights on these topics. If you're a physician or a spouse of a physician, I encourage you to listen to this podcast. We will provide you with the information you need to make sound financial decisions and achieve your financial goals. Here's your host, Brent Bowden, a financial coach and certified financial planning advisor with over 15 years of experience helping medical professionals achieve their financial goals. To learn more about Brent Bowden and his services, visit brentbowden.com.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Physician's Financial Checkup Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Bowden, certified financial planner, And last week, we delved into a critical topic about family governance. And today we're going to continue taking the next step and exploring the keys to successful family generational wealth transfers. So grab your notepads. You do not want to miss this episode. So, first of all, we're going to talk about what tools can help you succeed where many other families have stumbled in the past. So, let's start off with just talking about. Uh, success within generational wealth transfer planning uh, often starts with just having the right tools in your toolbox to be able to effectively make those transfers. So we talked last week, if you haven't caught up, uh, check out episode 35, where we talk about family meetings, uh, the family education that's needed, uh, comprehensive family planning, and how to bring together those family financial values all into kind of one annual meeting where you really talk about uh, what's going on within the family. Everybody has a role, responsibility built into it. And so we're going to continue that a little bit today. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, kind of the Rockefeller family. Obviously, they've, they've uh, really created a great kind of family constitution to help guide their wealth journey. Use that as a little bit of a framework in today's discussion. Um, but we'll talk about some other tools and, and utilize a, a family that I've worked with for a number of years. Uh, physician family. We'll call them uh, the Stone family. So Dr. Stone, who was inspired by some of the Rockefellers, uh, initiated regular family meetings with his crew. And these gatherings really became an open platform for communication, uh, really making sure that everyone understood the family's expectations, the family's goals, what everybody was uh, doing to add to the family. And it it really helped uh, them over uh, several years in family meetings to be able to understand that better. So um, some of the the tools were in a similar uh, family that I worked with, the Smith family, which we checked out in episode 35. So uh, check out that one as well if you're looking at how to create some of those family meetings and governance specifically for you all. So some of the tools that we'd really like to talk about, uh, let's talk about trust. So how can you help safeguard your family's wealth? Uh, trusts are a super powerful tool in wealth transfer, and wealth management, because they do a number of different things. Um, they provide control and privacy, flexibility, uh, and it, it just allows the family to really understand how to pass things on, but also protect them sometimes from themselves. And so there's there's lots of great Different types of trusts. We're not going to go into all the specificity of trusts in today's episode, but I want to give you just a basic uh, framework of basically what a trust is. In its most simple terms, it's just a legal agreement between three different parties. So the grantor or the owner that who has the asset currently gives a third party or a trustee uh, the right to be able to hold those assets, uh, be able to make decisions about some of those assets. And, and be able to make um, the best decisions coming up for the benefit of a third party or the beneficiary. Now, in, in certain trusts, you know the grantor can be the, the trustee as well, but especially when you start getting at arm's length and want to really protect assets the best, having all three parties in a trust is what helps create some of that uh, function and control privacy issues. So um, depending upon, you know, really the structure of the trust, there's a number of different benefits. So you can obviously help by protecting assets from creditors, from lawsuits. You know, that is one of the main reasons that people use trust. And we see that quite a bit. Probably the second reason people are interested in trusts uh, is tax reduction benefits. And so there, there are a number of ways to use trusts and structure it to be able to reduce your your future tax bills. Um, Obviously, it it can help significantly with probate. Uh, So saving both time, uh, cost and expense, and then the public record of most estates. If you do that in a trust or an entity outside of uh, yourself, obviously you can avoid some probate costs involved there. And then it also helps you to customize your wealth plan. How's that wealth going to be distributed to your beneficiaries, whether it's uh, family charity, um, you know, any number of outside entities, and it really can can help you manage some of those aspects uh, from the grave potentially. So, if you're wanting to be able to help others, um, say you have kids who are maybe not so financially or responsible, or if you you would like to help out a, a cousin or a family member that may not be able to always take care of themselves, you can do some of that with trust work. Uh, and it's a protective way to, to do that as well. And there's a number of other benefits. I think those are probably the top ones that people ask about trust for. And then depending upon the type of trust, you can we can delve into uh, all the other features and benefits of using a trust. So kind of a, as an example, I always talk about a trust as being like a protective shield. So it helps you to ensure that your wealth uh, is protected while you're living and helps ensure that it passes smoothly from one generation to the next. And so it's a, a very strategic move that minimizes both the risks and adds some additional layers of financial security, both very important uh, in, in wealth transfer situations. So trusts and knowing exactly how they work and, and which ones may benefit you, something I always recommend talking to your financial professional about, definitely can be uh, a selling point on being able to protect those assets. So, as we go a little further, let's talk about um, minimizing one of the biggest things that we talk about in wealth transfer is tax risk. So, obviously, in general, rational wealth transfers, there can be a lot of tax risk involved. And while nobody enjoys dealing with taxes, um, but as most of my clients uh, kind of know, when we talk about is that taxes provide necessary services and benefits um, today. And so, paying some of them is not a bad thing. The more you pay, the more money you've probably made. And so that's also a good thing, although you know, most all of them would like to minimize the amount that they pay. Uh, and so that becomes some of the tax strategies we talk about, uh, and especially crucial in wealth transfer discussions. Your strategic planning can really minimize tax implications uh, and preserve more of that wealth for your heirs. So this makes a, a really good point Kind of backs the Rockefellers as well. One of the reasons the Stone family liked uh, what they had done is, is they did a lot of structuring to make sure that assets would stay within the family over time. And so, that, obviously, that has evolved over the you know hundred plus years. But being informed, continuing to understand what tax law does, uh, the potential changes that may affect your family situation can all be part of that discussion. So, we would highly recommend. Uh, especially for our high net and ultra high net worth clients. to so work with a tax and financial professional to really navigate the complexities of tax law. So let's look back at the Stone family again. Um, you know, they were making probably a, a high six, sometimes seven figure incomes. And what we, we started to implement, they were doing a little bit of this before, but uh, annual tax planning meetings really helped them in the short term to be able to identify areas where they might be able to save or uh, make some philanthropic donations to be able to help. And, and we really developed a, a proactive tax strategy along with their uh, professional team and, and their CPA to help significantly reduce those annual income taxes. But we also worked with their estate planning attorney to, to create an advanced estate plan that's gonna help them reduce those future estate tax burdens. And so by combining that kind of foresight Will allow them to to pass on more substantial financial legacy to their loved ones than they probably would have been able to do um, not using some of those strategies or not at least exploring all the different options that they had available so one of the things that they do on a on an annual basis is um, utilizing annual gifting to their children's three trusts and so yeah this year in twenty twenty four the annual gift tax exclusion amount where you have you know, basically, a free check to write to your kids is uh, $18,000 in 2024 per parent. So that's a total of $36,000 that you can move out of your uh, taxable estate to your children without having to to do all the forms uh, for the lifetime gift exclusion. So essentially, with three kids, our Stone family can remove about $108,000 from their taxable estate on an annual basis um, because the gifts are to their kids now, but they didn't have to be. They could be to aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, virtually anybody that they wanted to create a gift to. If both spouses agree to make that gift, $36,000 to any individual is a huge amount. And so being able to take some of that off the table uh, for future generations is is helpful. Now, uh, another strategy that they did a few years ago was make a five-year gift to their 529 plans or the education savings plans for their kids and that five-year gift uh, if you were to do it in 2024 could amount to 180 thousand dollars per child per couple so if you plan on having your kids go to medical school or at least advanced degrees or or maybe even just a really nice school that's going to cover a lot of it and with some of the new secure act 2.0 rules uh, to exchange that over to a roth at some point uh, any remainder that might be there, it, it's not a bad choice to make for them, especially if you have longevity on your time. Um, certainly something to, to talk to your professional about and see if that makes sense to be able to do that if you've got the funds to, to do it. So furthermore, uh, something I always like to bring out too, just like the Stone family, you could also utilize uh, today's historically high lifetime estate and gift tax exemption amount. This does require some IRS paperwork. But it makes a lot of sense that today the individual lifetime estate and gift tax exemption is at 13.61 million dollars per person in 2024 or per couple, it's 27.22 million dollars. So that is set to sunset at the end of 2025. So essentially, if you're listening to this um, in you know, January 24, you've got less than two years. To be able to do that. Uh, by making some of those, planning out those uh, gifts right now, it's going to be the highest potential to get rid of some of your uh, assets to pass on to future generations using that estate exemption. Now, in 2026, that is set to sunset, and estimates will be around $7 million or about half of what it is today. So, a big difference in how much uh, federal gift tax you can shield by making those lifetime estate and gift tax exemptions today. And if you think about, uh, you know, 40% tax savings as a lot that you can remove from your future estate, and it may be worthwhile to do so uh, before those taxes potentially revert in 2026. So uh, if you're not familiar with that strategy, or you haven't talked to somebody, and you think that that would be beneficial to you, I would highly recommend you do that now. Don't wait. Get some uh, meetings set up for your financial and tax professional as soon as you can, because it's going to make a big difference in your long-term estate. Now, it can also be utilized for family businesses. So whether you have like a family limited partnership or a family LLC, if you own assets in a business, maybe something you want to look at gifting as well. And obviously that strategy comes into play with a whole lot of other pieces. We're going to talk about those in just a second. So Thanks for listening to the Physicians Financial Checkup Podcast with me, your host, Brent Bowden, certified financial planner for over fifteen years, helping physicians on their financial journey to financial freedom. If you like the actionable strategies and tips that we've shared here on the podcast, subscribe now. And for even more guidance, you can pick up the Physicians Financial Checkup book, available now in print, ebook, and audiobook. Look forward to helping you on your journey to financial freedom. If you're taking those strategy and planning sessions and you're really considering that that may be a tax and estate strategy, I highly recommend you get working on it right now with your financial professional, your tax professional, and maybe even your estate attorney to be able to get those things going before that window of opportunity passes you by. So lastly, let's expand a little bit on business succession planning. Uh, Especially for our physician and dental entrepreneurs, this can make a huge difference. If you own uh, all or part of a medical practice or a dental practice, business succession planning is a crucial part of what you need to do. Honestly, you need to have one from the beginning, uh, is my thought. It may not be as detailed as you want it to be, but at least identifying whose successors might be, um, having a strategic transition plan and ensuring the continuity of your business is super important Uh, if you've been running that business for a while especially successfully then this becomes even more important so i want to talk about nine steps real quick uh, that i think are imperative in ensuring your business has a succession success Uh, and so we may all know somebody who has not been successful Uh, these are some steps you can take to make sure you avoid those issues in the future so First, be proactive. Clarify your objectives. You want to step into that driver's seat, identify the goals and your vision for the future of your practice. Once you have that proactive objective set, the foundation for potential smooth transition, uh, whether you're planning on it or it happens, can be a lot easier to, to make happen. So you want to look internally first. Who in your talent pool already? may be potential successors within your practice. It may be other physicians. It may be a manager of your practice. Somebody who's really uh, being able to do a great job now and might need a little nurturing to be a strategic move for you to ensure continuity at some point in the future. Identifying who you have now is a lot easier than going out and trying to find somebody that might be the right person in the future. Obviously, we may have to do that, uh, especially for a lot of dental practices. You may be the the sole dentist and you might need to find another dentist or two to, to come in at some point. But knowing who you have and how to be able to help them help your practice in the future is a huge, huge bonus. Three, you want to get the right valuations. So knowing what your practice is worth, having accurate valuations can be really that kind of compass for the success journey you're on. You want to make sure that you have uh, a professional who's doing that valuation, help you understand what the true value of your practice is, what that multiple might be, how it's going to grow in the future, what things can help you grow better. Uh, And it might be bringing in somebody to be able to help grow the practice. And so all of those things can help you get the right valuation, the right amount for your practice. Four, let's explore all potential tax and wealth strategies. So obviously, you want to minimize the financial potential hiccups. So you want to uncover those tax and wealth strategies that are going to align with your objectives. And A well-thought-out plan might save you a lot of headaches in the future. Five, communicate that plan. You want to have clear communication and share your succession plan with any stakeholders you may have, uh, any other owners you have. Obviously, they're going to be a lot uh, involved in the situation as well. But you want your staff to know who that could be. And then if there's potential successors, make sure they culturally fit. So communicating to all of those people is really helpful in being able to make that transition and minimize the uncertainty, help foster a sense of security, job security for everyone that's involved all the way down to the the lowest level. Now, six, then you want to kind of focus on the development of your staff. Who's going to be the next generation? How can you help cultivate them? What trainings do they need to go to? Uh, what education can help them? You want to put some dollars invested in the development of those potential successors. So they're going to be the future transition. You want to make sure that they know what they're doing, uh, whether that's through training or mentorship. That's going to help you have a seamless transition when that time comes. Hopefully it's at a retirement point, but you never know when that could be. And we want to be uh, set and ready to have that transition when it's required. Seven, run a trial. Consider it kind of a dress rehearsal. Uh, Doing a trial period can really provide some valuable insight. Uh, It's kind of like test driving a car, but you're test driving your succession plan really ensures everything runs smoothly. So you may want to go out of the country for a month, two months, try it successively. You know, uh, one year go out of the country for a month, have very limited access, to you being able to help, and then try it for a couple months. The longer you can do that, the more that you know the ship is going to run, even when you're not at the helm. And that can be a huge, huge advantage. Number eight, you want to fill any gaps that you find. So by doing that test run, you might find that there are some gaps in your plan. And maybe most of it ran smooth, but there were some little things that kind of fell through the cracks or need some tweaks. You you can find out what those skill sets are or leadership qualities or operational or communication changes and really be able to help fortify your succession plan by filling those gaps. So, running several test runs can really help you to understand where those gaps might be. And then, number nine, just like in financial planning, we revise and revisit. Flexibility is really your ally. So, you want to regularly revisit that plan revise any succession needs that might come up. Obviously, the market conditions change. Um, You may get an offer that you weren't expecting. Does that fit in with your cultural goals or is your original succession plan better? And so understanding those and having them set ahead of time can make your plan more dynamic as it adapts to your evolving needs. So those nine steps are really critical, I think, in being able to get Your business succession plan to a success point where you're ready to make a transition and wealth transfer at the right time. If you've meticulously planned for that succession and you've groomed a successor, uh, done some test runs on a seamless transition to be able to preserve the value of your practice and secure the financial legacy for your family and for theirs, then hopefully you have done a fantastic job of securing the necessary planning needs for future succession or an incidental transition. And if it's not smooth and seamless, then it may be time to check those gaps again and figure out exactly how you're going to be able to, to fill those. Or maybe you need to kind of revisit your plan. Is there something that can change or do you need to uh, have some better talent or do you need to just educate the talent that you do have to be able to get to the right point? So. That really wraps up our session today. Um, Those keys to successful family generational wealth transfer, whether you're a business owner uh, or not, there's a ton of effective tools and trust planning to minimize that tax risks and be able to properly evaluate the succession plan you have in place. By utilizing several of those strategies, you can shape the lasting financial legacy for you, your family, and generations to come. So if you found this episode valuable, please share it with your colleagues and don't forget to tune in next week for more insights on the Physician's Financial Checkup podcast. I'm Brent Bowden and until next time.
1: Thank you for listening to the Physician Financial Checkup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. You can also find more information on BrentBowden.com. The information contained in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as financial advice. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of any other individual or organization. You should carefully consider your investment objectives, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment decisions. If you are seeking financial advice, you should consult with a qualified financial advisor who can assess your individual circumstances and needs.